I wanna get into the scriptures this morning and I'm gonna do something a little bit different than what I normally do. I'm basically gonna read one of the, the parables of Jesus and we're just gonna go kind of line for line. I don't really have any notes to, to, to break this thing down, but I have read this parable more than I have read anything in my life this week. So um, I, I could just quote it for you if you'd like, uh, which I won't do in case I forget a word or five. But um, I'm so excited to get into this. This was one of the first and, and is the longest parables that Jesus shared. And it's one of the few times that Jesus shared a parable and then gave immediately the, the secret key to unlock what it actually means. Um, if you're new to Jesus stuff, when Jesus was on the earth and would teach the people principles and concepts about the kingdom of God, he usually would do so with parables. These were allegories. These were stories. And he would often use them specific to what people in that day and age would recognize. So this one is about a farmer sowing seed. All of us live in Dallas-Fort Worth, and unless you are you know, harvesting the back 40 this week, uh, it's, it's not a world that we live in, you know, ancient uh, Middle Eastern farming. So we need to talk a little bit about that so that we can understand the, the concept of it. So we are in Mark chapter four. If you want to flip there, of course, the, the verses will be on the screens at the bottom. And this is um, one of the, the times where Jesus has just done a couple of miracles. So he's just gotten done calling and, and putting together his squad. He's got the 12 disciples. And um, even the disciples are kind of new to the Jesus stuff. Like they're hearing a lot of these principles for the first time. So, so this is, it, it's wonderful the way the Lord breaks down the simplicity of the human heart. But he does so using this parable about a farmer and the soil that he sows that seed into. Uh, we'll just start in verse one and just kind of read from there. Once again, Jesus began to teach by the lake shore. A very large crowd gathered around him, so he got into a boat. So just stop there. Right, this is just for funsies, a little historical extra. When they say the lake shore, he's talking about what we call the Sea of Galilee. It's basically a freshwater lake in northern Israel. And Jesus set up his headquarters on the northern shore of that lake in a town called Capernaum. And this was probably, now when Jesus did this, nobody like set out a sign and be like, Jesus spoke this parable here, but it is historically, um, traditionally said that just to the, what would that be, the west of Capernaum, there is a natural cove in the Sea of Galilee. And next to that cove is a natural amphitheater. So that if the crowd was so big and the water was calm, Jesus could have gotten into one of those fishing boats, put off, you know, 20, 30, 40 yards, and then the guys could have just held the boat there and his voice would have traveled, bounced off of the water and filled. He could have spoken to thousands of people. So this parable, um, so that's why he stepped into the boat and shared it this way. Verse two, he taught them by telling them many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Listen. Exclamation point, stop right there. The Greek word that he used that was recorded, he was probably speaking Aramaic, which is an ancient form of Hebrew, but it was everything in that day was documented in Greek. So the Greek word that was recorded there, and this is how it said listen with an exclamation point, this is gonna blow your mind. This word listen means listen. But did you notice the exclamation point? It's because Jesus used the command form, the emphatic 
form. So that's why as this was recorded, it was recorded with the exclamation point. Basically, it just doesn't mean listen with your ear. What he's saying is, hey, y'all got to listen to this. Pay attention. And that's sort of in a way he was quieting the crowd and he said, I'm going to melt your face off. Just listen. Exclamation point. A farmer went out to plant some seed. As he gathered it, as he scattered it across the field, some of the seed fell on a footpath. The birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on the shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plant would soon wilt under the hot sun. Since it did not have deep roots, it died. Other seed fell among the thorns. Those thorns grew up and they choked out the tender plants so there was no grain. Still other seeds would fall on fertile soil. They sprouted, grew, produced a crop that was 30, 60, even 100 times as much had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Later, when Jesus was alone with the 12 disciples and the others who were gathered with them, they asked, what you talking about, Jesus? See, they were new to this Jesus stuff. They were new to this kingdom of God stuff. And they were like, yeah, the parable is going to help y'all understand the kingdom of God. Y'all got that? Dude, what was that all about? And he says, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of God. I don't know if you're big into getting tattoos in Greek or Hebrew, but this will be a good one. You are permitted to understand the secrets of God. I want you to repeat that after me. Say, I am permitted to understand the secrets of God. Now say it like you mean it. I am permitted to understand the secrets of God. This week on Thursday, we had a little going away party for Ryan, and um, Ryan's brain works like a computer, so we thought he would enjoy an escape room so that all of the staff was there, but really we wanted Ryan's brain to solve all of the problems. And in every escape room, at some point, you need to type in some sort of code or put some sort of magnet thing on the wall, and a door will pop open, and then a key will come out, and then you have to find where the lock is in the room and then use that key to unlock. What the Lord is saying is, I have hidden keys for you about the kingdom of God, and all you have to do is ask, and I'm going to give you the keys to unlock the secret things about the kingdom of God. If there's things you don't understand, just ask. He has a key for you to understand the secret things of God. You are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of God, but I'm going to use parables for everything I say to the outsiders. Verse 13, Jesus said, if you can't understand the meaning of this parable, how are you going to understand all the other parables? Basically, he's saying is, y'all, the reason I'm doing this big long one first plus an explanation is this is the, the foundation. This is the, the, the system for how you're going to understand all of the future parables. So pay attention. The farmer, he plants seed by taking God's word to others. So it's the word of God. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and take it away. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and they immediately receive the message with joy, but since they don't have deep roots, 
They don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by what? The worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things. So no fruit is produced. The seed that fell on the good soil represents those that hear and accept God's word, and then they produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much has been planted. Let me explain a little bit about ancient Middle Eastern farming. If you have not yet been to the land of Israel, um, it is a very rocky land. And when I say very rocky, you're still not picturing enough rocks. Like it is extremely rocky, and that's the rocks that you can see. And then underneath the, the ground, uh, there are more rocks, and more rocks on top of rocks, and under rocks, and next to rocks. It's just rocks on rocks on rocks. So when Jesus, by the way, in another parable, was like, hey, if you build your house on the sand, you're an idiot, because that sand is going to wash away when the storm of life comes. Build on the rock. Jesus was not giving them a difficult task. He was saying, there's rocks everywhere. Just build your house on a rock. Don't build on sand, because there's rocks everywhere. Israel, very rocky. So the way they would do farming in the ancient days, oh, by the way, you also need to know about the rain. There is an unbelievable amount of rain in the land of Israel, but only for about four or five months. In fact, Jerusalem gets the same number of inches of rain as London, but they get it all within three or four months. And then they're going to go through six, seven, eight months of not a single drop of rain. So what happens is during those times, the ground gets very hard. It gets very rocky. It gets very like cement, like clay, and you can't break it up. So they wait for the early rains. They usually come in the fall, right before the winter, and that the water begins to soften the ground. So at that moment is when the, the farming begins. So that's when they plant their seed. So oftentimes it's recorded about the ancient world, they would take the seed and they didn't own their own land. Usually the land would be owned by a very wealthy family or multiple families in the town. Sometimes a, a town itself will own land and then they will lease it. They will parcel it out to the various families. Basically everybody had a lot to go plant because everybody was responsible for raising their own crops. Only if you had a very specific trait, uh, maybe you were a, a craftsman, uh, maybe uh, you raised animals and that was like, you, 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 you had one job and that's all you did, then you would barter your thing with somebody else. But generally speaking, every family, no matter what you did, you had a plot outside of town that either you leased or was leased you know, to you and you would go out and you would put in your seed. So they would take a bag of seed and they would literally just kind of scatter it over their whole lot. But then as those rains would come, they would take, now when we say plow, I don't want you to think like, like a John Deere. I want you to think like a two by four with like a screwdriver at the end. You know what I'm saying? Like lower your expectation of a plow. And then they would scrape the dirt and they try to break up that topsoil that had gotten hard all summer. But then as they did, the soil would break open and the seed would fall down into it. So that was basically farming. So the, the paths that Jesus was talking about were there were very specific paths as people would walk to and they'd carry their donkeys and their carts and all that going between the different lots. That ground got like 
super hard packed, like highway concrete road compacted. So to plant seed there was silly, but when you're just kind of throwing the seed, of course, sometimes it's going to fall over there. Let's go back to the story and then reread it again. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed as he scattered it across the field. Some of the seed fell on the footpath. The birds came and ate it. So the, the interpretation that Jesus said is, I'm putting the word of God out there for everyone. But there's four different types of heart to receive it. And the first one is very hard. And in verse 15, he says, those who hear this message, it's then who's Satan who comes and takes it away. So that message has fallen on a hard heart. Do you remember what it was like before you believed in Jesus? Like, like you look around now and there's three or 400 people and everybody's like bananas for Jesus and everybody's life is perfect and it's amazing. By the way, that's not true. But you assume that everybody is the fourth category. Listen, you're sitting next to people that some are in the first category and their hearts are still hard. Every Sunday morning, both here in the room and those that watch on YouTube, there's people that still have hardened hearts, but they're hearing the message. And it is literally, he's saying, a spiritual battle. God is putting his word out there, but it is literally the devil that comes to steal it. So you're like, well, I kind of believe in this God stuff, but I don't believe in Satan so much. There's a spiritual battle for your life. And Jesus himself said that that word of God that's trying to transform your life is stolen by the devil, by a hardened heart. So if this is you this morning, or maybe you're watching online, I want to tell you something. Your heart might be hardened now, but if you get where the rain is, if you get near where God's presence is, He'll begin to soften your heart. See, the beautiful thing about God is he is a miracle worker. And if your heart has been hard, he can transform your heart. He can break open your heart so that that seed can go down deep. It's up to us to respond. It's up to us to, to get under the spout where the glory comes out and let the rain of God soften our hearts. So if you are here this morning and listening, if you're watching online, you are in the right place at the right time because God wants to soften your heart so that that seed has not been stolen out of your heart. Do you know that most people that visit a church that are not yet believers in Jesus, they don't surrender their life to Jesus on that first Sunday they visit? It'll often take three to six visits which can take a month or two of people coming to church. So our job is just to keep loving on people, just to keep welcoming people, and just to keep encouraging people and keep praying for people that God would soften their hearts to open up and to receive the word of God. Why? So that the devil doesn't steal it. So examine your heart. Is your heart hard to the things of God or is it soft and pliable to the things of God? Let's move on to the next type of soil. He said that not just the the path, but also the seed falls on shallow soil in verse five. It has underlying rock. The seed does sprout, but the soil, the soil was shallow, so this plant wilts under the hot sun because it didn't have deep roots. Um, my son is getting married this Friday night, which I'm very excited about, and yeah, I don't know why you're clapping, but it's, it's good news for me. So my, um, my family is coming in the town. My brother-in-law is coming in for the wedding. And my brother-in-law's lawn, um, he doesn't ever watch our YouTube, is terrible. 
So whenever I visit his house in Virginia, it's Virginia. Everything is fertile in Virginia. How hard is it to grow a beautiful lawn in Virginia? It's terrible. So when I get out of the car, every time I fly in to visit the family, I'm a little, what do they call that? Um, proud of my lawn. Well, he's flying in and he's actually never been to our house. So he's gonna see my lawn for the first time. Do you have any idea how much I have been watering my lawn the last two weeks? <laughs> Fertilizing my lawn? I am ready for Will to get off the plane. And I, I'm not even gonna mention it, and I hope nobody, like my mom watching, doesn't text him to look for it. I just wanna see if he notices my lawn the way I notice his lawn. <laughs> because when it's 105 degrees outside, you need the roots to go down deep to make sure they're drawing enough moisture. And by the way, when you're, let me ask you a question, those of you that are good with your lawn, because I'm A, curious, and B, I think I'm gonna make a good point. When you're watering your lawn, do you want to water three times a week for 10 minutes, or once a week, maybe twice a week, for 20 minutes? Twice. Because you wanna really soak that ground. So when you wonder why our worship goes on as long as it is, we're trying to soak your ground because you're only here once a week. You know what I'm saying? It's like, well, I wish this would be over sooner. I don't. Because I need your roots to go down deep into the things of God. That's where the harvest is, is the deeper your roots go. Which reminds me of the scripture from Colossians chapter 2 and verse 7, that the only way for our faith to work is when our roots go down deep into the things of God. sale. Sorry. This happens a lot. I see this a lot where we get to the end of a service and I encourage people, hey, you've got to repent of your sin and make Jesus the Lord of your life. You've got to humble yourself before God and ask him to forgive you. And people are like, yes, yes, I do. And they raise their hand and they pray the prayer and they screw in a light bulb on our Jesus wall. And we get them in our text program and we begin to encourage you with verses to help. And you take the growth track, which growth track one is today. If you're new to our church, well, I'd like to see you here, growth track one in just a few minutes. And we start getting you plugged into the family. But then life happens. You get laid off. Your loved one leaves you. You get a diagnosis from your doctor that is not good. The person you didn't vote for gets elected. The COVID breaks out. Something happens. Life happens. And because you didn't have roots that were deep into the things of God, into the kingdom of God, into the word of God, you'd be like, oh, well, I guess that Jesus thing wasn't for me. And instead of seeing you here every Sunday, every Wednesday, going to a U group, you just start to drift. And then a year later, you're back to the same old ways that you used to be. I'm not here every week to pull on your emotions. I'm here to tap into faith, which is what we talked about last week. In fact, it's, it, it, another verse that I wanna give you is in um, Hebrews chapter four. And that verse says, you, when you get, when you get, I keep thinking this is going to work. The good news, the gospel message has been announced, but it did them no good because they didn't share. No, this is the wrong translation. I gave you guys the ESV translation. You have to have the seed 
mixed with faith. It can't just be emotion. You can't just go, oh, I want to get Jesus. No, you have to really believe that Jesus died on the cross and that what happened in that moment was that he took your sin and died with your sin on his back. And that when he says, you're no longer an orphan, I call you a child of the most high God, that you believe that you are saved. Some people live their life as Christians and they're like, well, I hope I go to heaven. That's not faith. That's not a deep root. That's the cares of life will destroy your life. You can live your life 100% knowing that you, in fact, you don't have to wait for heaven to start. Heaven starts now. That's why Jesus taught us to pray. Lord, I pray that your name would be holy in my heart, holy in my mind, holy in my lips, holy in my thoughts, holy on my phone, holy on my Netflix. And I pray that your kingdom would come now on earth as it is in heaven. The will of God be released in your life. You don't have to wait for heaven to start when you die. Heaven can start happening in your life right now. Let's move on to the third type of soil. I feel like I'm preaching a little better than you're amening. I hear Jacob Capitillo back there, but you're gonna have to get that whole section cooking a little bit. Verse seven. Other seed fell among the thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plant, and they produced no grain. Now, if you flip over to Jesus' interpretation of that, he said, the seed that fell on the rocky soil represents those that hear the message, they receive it with joy, but because they didn't have deep roots, it didn't last long, and they fell away as soon as the, plant, the, the problems and persecution came for believing the word of God. Sorry, verse 18. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those that hear the word of God, but all too quickly, the message of the word of God is crowded out by three things. The worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things. So no fruit is produced. So the first thing that he says there that, that would crowd out, that would choke, is the worries of this life. When you worry about money, when you worry about health, when you worry about relationships, when you worry about a house, when you worry about a career, when you worry about anything, you are allowing the message of the word of God to be choked out of your life. And so often people feel, oh, pastor, I feel like my faith is under attack. Yeah, it's because you have allowed it to be choked. It's not getting any oxygen from heaven because you're choking it out with your fear, with your worry, with looking at the problem and not looking at the king. So what happens with this, it, it is, and did you ever notice, I'm not a big you know, gardener by any stretch of the imagination, but when you plant a seed and, and you're, you're hoping for a, a crop, for a harvest, it seems like the harvest grows slowly, but the weeds will grow really quickly. So it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm learning, I'm growing, I, I'm reading my Bible, I'm going to church. And it's like slow and steady, your walk with God. But the moment one little thing happens and you begin to worry about it, immediately you feel choked. Why is that? Because the weed grows faster than the seed. So you have to pay careful attention to, to, to carefully growing the seed of the word of God in your life and not for a moment give in to worry, not for a moment give in to fear, not for a moment give in to, I don't know if this whole thing is gonna come crashing down on my head. Too often we pray from a place of defeat and not a place of victory. Too often we pray these kind of, woe is me, the worst is gonna happen, we're always defeated. And the Lord's like, dude, come on, little tender plant. You, you are my son, you are my daughter. I, I have completed the work of healing and grace and deliverance and freedom and joy in your life on the cross. Do not look at the problem, look at the king of kings. 
Don't get, let the, 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 the worries of this life choke out the seed of faith, which is why it's so important. Well, preacher, I know we haven't been in church for a while. I, I look, what happens if you don't pull the weeds? They grow quick and they will choke out your faith. So no matter what happens, don't, don't skip church. No matter what happens, get plugged into a group. No matter what happens, continue to read your word every day. No matter what happens, put on that worship playlist. Put on, get on your knees and spend time in prayer because the weeds will grow quickly. And Jesus himself said they will choke out the plant that God is trying to produce in your life. What's the second thing? The lure of wealth. Did you notice that Jesus didn't say wealth? He said the lure of wealth. Wealth is not the problem. It's the lure of wealth. It's the faith in money more than God. And people were like, okay, well, what is that number? It's different for everybody. For some people, if you were to have $5,000 in your bank account, you would be like, whoo I have made it. I am okay. I know that because I, I lived 20 years of my life in that place. Because your faith is now in three zeros behind whatever numbers in your bank account. But for some people, they would not feel that way until there was a million or 10 million. So it's different for everybody. Jesus said, what will cause the plant in your life to be choked out is the lure of wealth, the desire for more of it, the fact that you're unsatisfied with what you have, so therefore you're always longing and hoping and wishing for more. I wish you would hunger and thirst for more of God's righteousness in your life than you do for wealth, because then all these things will be added to you. Seek the kingdom more than anything else. Seek the kingdom, and then he'll add. It's the lure of wealth, not wealth, that you would put your faith in, okay, I, I feel okay. I've got enough in retirement. I've got enough paid down on the house. We've got that one car paid off. Whew, I think we're gonna be okay. That's the lure of wealth. Your faith is in the Lord, not in your money. Your trust is in God. He is the one who will clothe you. He is the one that will provide for you. The lure of wealth will choke out. And then the third thing, he said, everything else. Did you notice that? Jesus was like, yeah, the worries of this life, the lure of money, and everything else. Basically, he's saying this. If you focus on anything more than me, that thing will grow up and choke your faith out. And you will be out of church a year from now. And you'll be divorced five years from now. And you'll be back on uh, whatever your favorite bottle, whatever your favorite website, whatever your favorite book, whatever the thing that you like to satisfy yourself more than me. Anything in this life that you put faith and trust and attention to more than me. He's saying the kingdom of God has got to be completely your obsession. We only get 80, 90, 100 years on this earth. And then we get eternity in heaven. But we focus so much on our own desires instead of what his desires are for our life. He's saying, man, you got to focus on me. We, we can't just add Christianity to our lives. We have to die to our old way of doing life. The, the limp-wristed, mamby-pamby, kumbaya kind of Christianity, that will not last. That will not produce a harvest in your life. You have got to go all in. To number four. Other seeds fell on fertile soil. These seeds sprouted. They grew. 
we know that they grew deep roots and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, even 100 times as much has been planted. The average yield from ancient Middle Eastern sowing by hand, plowing by hand, and hoping for rain at most would be tenfold. If you had a tenfold return, man, you would be thrilled because you would keep some for seed for next year, you would sell some, and you'd have some to grind up and use for flour and things like that. If you got a tenfold harvest, but did you notice that the bare minimum that Jesus told the people in the analogy was 30? So even when Jesus said this, he's like, listen, if you really go all in on me, if you really understand the principles about the kingdom of God, the bare minimum harvest you are going to receive is 30 times what you put in. When was the last time you led 30 people to Jesus? When was the last time you ministered to 30 children or 30 teenagers? Maybe God's done something in your marriage and healed your marriage. When was the last time you poured yourself out to help 30 other couples find healing in their marriage? When was the last time you really understood 30 chapters in the Bible and then you encouraged somebody else? But did you notice that that was Jesus's low bar? He said, you're going to have such a heart. If you really get this thing right, 30 60, even a hundred times. He said, dude, I am down with extreme abundance in your life. I'm going to bless you with wisdom. I'm going to bless you with faith. I'm going to bless you with healing. I'm going to bless you with health. I'm going to bless you with joy, unspeakable joy. A hundred times what you put in is what I'm going to give back to you. If you really allow what? Your heart to be fertile soil. Your heart to be softened. Your heart to be broken open so that the things of God can go down deep into your life, that the word of God can go down deep into your life. That's what we're aiming for here is a hundredfold harvest of the fruit of what God wants to produce in your life. You ever notice there's some kind of Christians, they're just kind of sorry Christians. They come to church a couple times a year. They don't ever serve on a team. They don't go through growth track. They don't give in the offering. They don't go on world missions. They don't show up for Wednesday night to pray. They're just kind of bare minimum Christians. When I read this story, I want you to ask yourself, huh, I wonder if I'm saved. I wonder if I'm going to heaven. I know I go to church once in a while because I'm a Texan and that's what we do. I'm asking you to ask yourself, I wonder if I'm going to heaven when I die or I just go to church once in a while because Jesus is drawing a line in the sand. He's like, yeah, I kind of set this whole thing up to be super radical. Like you don't get to just be like a limp-wristed, mamby-pamby Texas Christian that just watches church go by. I'm calling you to go all in. That's where cities are transformed. Is, that's 30, 60, 100-fold harvest is when we go all in for what God wants to do in our life. And can I tell you something amazing? Can I tell you something amazing? I said it 20 minutes ago. Doesn't matter what the, the status of your heart is now, he can always transform it into fertile soil. If you will surrender to the reign of God to soften your heart, if you will surrender to the plow of God to dig up your heart and to remove the rocks of unbelief, the rocks of fear, the rocks of addiction, the rocks of um, 
whatever it is that you're trying to medicate your pain with, if you allow God, that's what, some people ask us, what's freedom track? Freedom track is getting the rocks out of the field. Should I take freedom track? Yes, you should take freedom track. It's eight weeks of poking around in your heart that you're like, hey, I'm good. Yeah, but remember that there's a little bit of soil and then under that is a rock. So freedom track is we're gonna take away a little bit of that soil and the Holy Spirit's gonna remove that rock of that pain that you experienced when your parents got divorced or when your loved one died or when you were struggling with addiction, when you went through the seventh grade and people said terrible things to you. That's a rock that's been buried under the soil. It's a lie. So Freedom Track is gonna scrape away that soil and pull out that rock so that your roots can grow down deep. Hop up on your feet, I wanna pray for you. It doesn't matter what the state of your heart is now. If you'll submit yourself and surrender to the reign of God, to the Holy Spirit, He can soften your heart. He can remove the rocks, the fear, the worry, the pain, and He can produce in you a harvest 30, 60, 100 times. But it's up to us. We get to choose. We get to decide how deep do we allow the Word of God to transform our lives. You know, the Word of God isn't just when somebody gives a prophetic word at the altar or the worship team sings a prophetic song or preaching the Word of God. You need to read your Bible. And I am begging you to become a student of the Word of God. Because when I talk to people and they're going through something, I'll ask, tell me about your devotional life. Tell me, like, how do you read the Word? Uh, well, mm, I don't, it's not really, I kind of, you know, I have the daily verse that I read once a month. I know why you're struggling. It's because the seed is in shallow soil. I double dog dare you to become a student of the Word of God. It's the only way for Him to completely transform your life. And that would be that you understand the character of God, the nature of God, the Word of God. How much do I have to read every day? I don't want you to, it's not a speed reading class. I want you to meditate on the Word of God until it transforms your life. Sometimes that might be a sentence. Sometimes it might be a chapter. Sometimes it might be a book. There's 66 books in there. Whatever it takes for God to break open your heart that the roots of faith would go down deeper and deeper and deeper. And allow the Holy Spirit to reign all over your life. Don't put up any umbrellas and be like, yes, Lord, come and touch my life. Just don't touch my hobby. Just don't, don't mess with my fishing. Don't mess with my hunting. Don't mess with my, my gossip shows. Don't mess with my survivor shows. Don't mess with my sports thing. Don't mess with my overeating. Don't mess with my smoking weed. Don't mess with my sleeping with somebody I'm not married to. Take down anything that you're trying to keep God from touching. And when you pray in times of worship here at the altar, just ask God, 
So say, Lord, soak me. Holy Spirit, soften every part of my life. I don't want seed to be burned up. I want to water deep so that the roots go deep. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I, I pray for our church family and all those that are watching online. And I'm asking for more of your rain. We've been through seasons in our life with no rain. We've been through seasons where our hearts have grown hard. We've been through seasons where there has not been a harvest, there has not been fruit. So I'm asking for a season of the outpouring of the rain of your Holy Spirit and your power and your presence. And Lord, we will surrender to you. We will surrender to your Holy Spirit because we need you so desperately to break open our hearts, to put the word of God deep into our lives, that it would be watered, that that soil would have the rocks removed, that there would not be fear, there would not be pain, there would not be addiction, there would not be my trying to control things, there would not be an emotional response, but that it would be faith, that we believe, we trust you. And God, I pray for the sake of our church, for the sake of their families, for the sake of this city, that there would be a 30, 60, and 100-fold harvest in every single life. God, that we would produce a mighty harvest of souls for you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here this morning and you have not yet broken open your heart to receive the good news, the gospel message, today is your day. You're going to ask God to forgive you. You're going to allow the Holy Spirit to break open your heart and to remove the rocks of sin and unbelief. You're going to receive the gift of eternal life. You're going to declare that Jesus is Lord. And here's something, you're not going to do it out of emotion. You're not going to do it because you feel your tummy tickled. You're not going to do it because you're, you know, I want to put in a light bulb on the Jesus wall. You're doing it because you're going to die to your old way of living so that you can live for him and produce a harvest. Now, this might be the first time you've ever prayed a prayer like this. Or maybe it's the first time in a long time. Maybe as a young person or years ago, or you've allowed your heart to grow hard again. The root has dried up. There's no fruit. Spiritually, you know that you're dead and separated from the things of God. I have good news. The Lord allows us to always allow our hearts to be broken open and watered and stones removed so that the seed can go deep. It's our choice though. It's a choice we make by faith and how we're gonna respond to the things of God. So I'm asking you that are here this morning and you that are watching online, Holy Spirit, examine our hearts. Do you need to repent? Ask God to forgive you for the first time or the first time in a long time. I can lead you in that prayer. It's gotta be your prayer, but I can help you. I would like to know who I'm praying for. Even if you're watching at home, right there in your apartment, in your living room, in your bed, I want you before God to just shoot your hand up in the sky. You that are here in the room, if that's you this morning and, and you need to pray that prayer, I want you to shoot your hand up right now and just say, I've gotta get right with God today. I wanna repent of my sin today. I see your hand right there. Is there anybody else? Shoot your hand up. Anybody else? Shoot your hand up real high. Good. Yeah, God. 
What about you? I saw one person just raise both hands and say, I, I need to, to, to repent and make Jesus the Lord of my life. Why don't you follow suit? Just raise both hands right there in your apartment, right there in your bed. Just say, Jesus, I need you. For the sake of those that are online and for the one that's here this morning, can we, can we all pray together? If you believe it in your heart, pray it out loud. Say, dear Jesus, I repent. I ask that you'd forgive me. Wash me and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. I believe by faith that you would be my Lord and Savior. I receive the gift of eternal life. Holy Spirit, come. Soak every part of my heart. Soften my heart. Break open my heart. Transform my life. That my roots of faith would grow down deep so that, Lord, I could produce a harvest for you in Jesus' name. Come on, come on. Amen, amen, hallelujah. I've got a few points for you, but I just need to talk to somebody. I think I'm talking to somebody online. You had an abortion a couple of years ago, maybe just a year ago or so you regret that decision and you feel like God's mad at you. Listen, God's not mad at you. We have many women here in our church that have had abortions and I've had a chance to hear their stories. And for all of them, there was regret. But in the kingdom of God, there is not shame. There's not shame. He loves you. He's crazy about you. And that shame, that agony that you feel, that's a rock that's under the surface of your heart. And I want you to surrender to the Lord, to break open your heart and to remove that pain and to remove that shame because he wants to plant life in you that you could produce a harvest, that you could minister to others life and freedom. It's not his will for you to carry that pain in your life every day. That would be true for all of us, no matter what pain you've been holding on to.